You can be seated if you can in the house of God today. Whew, my goodness. I feel his presence in the house today. Big welcome to everyone watching online. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would, hit that like button and that share button so we can reach as many people as we possibly can with the broadcast today. We're so glad that you're joining us. By the way, can we give a big welcome to everyone joining us online? Appreciate that so much. Thank you for doing that. I never take it for granted. I never take for granted anyone that takes the time to be in the house of God today. Um, and, and I tell you, thank you so much for being here. It says a lot about you. On a time change weekend, when, when some churches actually consider not having a service because they know attendance is going to be down like 30, 35% for some reason, uh, thank y'all for showing up and showing up strong to be in the house of God. And thank you for tuning in, even if you couldn't be here physically today. Thank you for joining us online. I know some of you here in the house today, you traveled a great distance to be here. And I'm telling you, I believe that God will bless you for that. You ever heard the old saying that a church alive is worth the drive? Now, that's kind of played out kind of churchy, but I'll tell you, it is worth the drive to get here, no matter where you are uh, watching from or listening from. If you're hearing this on the radio later, uh, get here in the house and experience what God is doing at Eastgate Church. We're so glad, though, that y'all are here. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. Today's going to be a fun day. Today's going to be a fun day. Every once in a while, we'll just hit pause and do like a live question and answer type service because we know there's a lot of stuff that happens, and sometimes we don't get to everything that's on your mind in service, and we just think it's good uh, to hit pause and, and answer some questions, and they're always fun. Some of y'all knuckleheads ask some crazy questions. I'll say that, and I say knucklehead with love. That's from my Alabama, Georgia fans and Saint fans that may be watching. Um, uh, some of the questions will be fun, some of them will be serious, some of them will be heavy, some of them will be theologically deep, some of them will ha probably have to do with what's going on in the world today. Um, what we say is this, nothing is out of bounds as long as, okay, let's keep it appropriate, yep. yeah. all right? Um, what, do, what do you mean? Nobody cares what color underwear Pastor Josh is wearing, <laughs> all right? So, so questions like that. We'll, we'll keep those off, you know, and, and keep profanity off of the chat board, too. Um, we'll delete that uh, if, it, if it's on there. Um, so if you would, let's go ahead and let's do it this way. They've got the information up on the screen, and we've seen that some people have already submitted quite a few questions. But this is a big participation Sunday for sure. So get your phones out or your tablets or devices, whatever. You can scan the code on the screen, or you could just simply go to slido.com, slido.com, and you guys watching at home, slido.com, and put in the, uh, the number code that's up there on the other side of that hashtag. You drop in the code, and they'll get you, you, you you'll get to the, the forum there. You'll see all the questions that have already been answered, and if you look, there's a little thumbs up icon next to it. It'll give you a chance to like certain questions. When you like a question, it goes up to the top of the list, and so the questions with the most likes or the most votes, as it were, um, will get answered uh, probably more quickly today. We're going to go through as many of these things as we possibly can because um, we've got some stuff on the back end of service today, too. I think the board is wanting to do something for Pastor Appreciation Day, so, um, which is awesome, so we'll get to that. Uh, but we're going to have some fun answering as many questions as we can this morning. Does that sound fun? To you guys. Now, I never do this by myself, so let me go ahead and get my co-conspirators up here on the stage with me. So, Rachel, if you will, and Pastor Jeremy, if you will, come on up. Rachel's going to act as moderator today, so she's going to be reading these questions. Pastor Jeremy and I will do our best to answer as many of these as we can, and Rachel's going to chime in a little bit, too. So, I thank God for, uh, for, for Pastor Jeremy. I'm telling you, uh, he's unsuspecting at first glance, but this guy has a lot of wisdom uh, for an Alabama fan. I'm telling you, a lot of wisdom, and uh, he's got a lot of insight. So, um, now, we'll say this. Some of these answers will be pretty succinct and concise um, because we're going to get to as many as we possibly can today. So, Obviously, we can't devote a whole service to answering a question. So uh, 
if we don't satisfy it, listen, there's plenty of coffee in the world that can be consumed. So you and I can get together for a cup of coffee or we can go out to dinner um, and, and we can answer in more depth if we need to. But, uh, but if it seems like we cut some of these short, there's a reason. We're not dodging anything. We just want to get in as many as we possibly can uh, so that we can, we can see what else God wants to do in the service today. All right, uh, questions already coming in from in-house? All right, all right. So we're going to have some fun with this. If you're ready, let me hear you say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Look at the person next to you and say, you better get ready. Because if you're not, you're in trouble. You better get ready. All right. So let's, let's dive into this stuff today. Man, you look good today. Thanks, man. So do you. I'll take that. Yeah, man. I'll take that. Hey, man. listen, I'll shout out PJ. He's going to shrink up here before much longer. He's been putting in the work. Yeah, so, yeah baby. Yeah, man. Good. Man. Yeah, give it Ooh. up. It's hard. Ooh. I've been, I've been eating barbecue in front of him because I don't slow down because somebody's <laughs> eating a salad, all right? I tell you, all a right. quality decision can change your life. Y'all pray for me too, man. Uh, I've been losing weight and down this health journey, and, and Pastor Kelly's having a hard time keeping her hands off of me now, so yeah. y'all need to pray pray for your pastor, and, and I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Did Amen. that make it awkward enough in here now that we can get, now we can get into some, some other questions? All right. <laughs> I'll be quiet. I just want to point out that I am taller than them in this current moment. And can I, can I take Jesus. two seconds? Well, yeah. And uh, talk about some awkwardness. I tried to get my beautiful wife sitting beside me to give me a kiss, and she refused. And so to all y'all, it probably just looked like creepy. But we're married. You'll see our kids afterwards. I promise. You'll know. They're ours. I, I got to say, though, I would probably, I'd deny you, too, if you tried to kiss going on Well, me. that's good. Awkward. Okay. First. By by the way, welcome to any staff meeting or gathering that we have. (laughs) Yes. We do this all the time. First question. The Bible says I should fear no man, but I should fear God. Does that mean I should live every day in fear? What kind of fear does it mean? Ooh, that's a good question. I like that. You want to jump on that or you want me to get it? Why don't you take the, the, the first part? All right. My goodness gracious. Live in fear all the time? No. Um, obviously. So the fear of God there, um, if you get into the root words and all that Greek and fun stuff, uh, it, it literally means a deep awe or reverence for. So there's a difference between cowering in fear and having a deep, healthy respect for the Lord, and that's the difference, and that's the meaning. So, um, no, you should not, unless unless you don't know Jesus, then you got a lot to be afraid about. But as a believer, um, there's there's no reason to operate in fear with regard to to God. No. Nailed it. Okay. Moving on. Here's a good one. <laughs> Was that good? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I would have just said the same thing. So. Because you're a genius. True. That's what I'm saying. What is the point of believing in God as a whole? Not because of everlasting life, but why should we believe in God? Oh. Oh. I'm that's glad a good I one. answered the first one. Hey, yeah. It's your turn, man. Say, that's a good one. Hey, so let me, I'll take this as a personal thing. So, uh, overview of my testimony. Grew up in church, but didn't really have anything to do with God. Just church, right? And around my mid-teenage years, God really got a hold of me, called me into ministry, and all that good stuff. And then when I was about 18, or when I was about 16, some crazy stuff happened. By the time I was 18, I was not living for God anymore. And when I rededicated my life back it was because of the fact that I walked around, and when you don't believe in God, then it, this whole everything around us is very chaotic. And it's very 
overwhelming. And so when you look at that, you have to you have to believe that there is a sovereign creator. Like if you if you take God out of it and you take Christianity out of it, you have to believe that there is a sovereign creator or things would be much more of a mess than they are now. And so I know for me believing in God overall was it it helped me find a peace and a joy and a hope that I did not really have at the time. And so I was your typical person that's like, if I'm not going to live for God, then I'm not going to claim him either because I don't want to do damage to the body of Christ because I want to go off and do my own thing, right? And, and so what I ultimately found is it was very, very empty and very unfulfilling. And so there's a lot that goes into that, that unless you've experienced God, it's hard to really just explain, like, why should you believe in God? Well, there's the obvious, you know, um, well, I don't want to go to hell. Um, so, so there's that, but, but at, at some point it has to go past that because if he's a good God, then you can't just be scared that he's going to send you to hell. And I think that's where a lot of Christians get stuck is because they never get past that fact that, that, Hey, I'm constantly in fear of going to hell. And so my thing is I would encourage you to experience God, not just yeah. not just believe he exists. The Bible says the demons believe he exists and the demons are, are scared of him. You know what I mean? And so it is it, it it's different to believe in God and experience God. And so that's what I would encourage you to go yeah. into that mindset. Like, don't really get into like a Christianity is not a religion. It's it, it's totally different than anything that you've experienced before. If you've never experienced, our God made a way for us to connect with him. No other religion does that. No, every other religion, you have to work your life to connect with God. And if you do, it's hard. So I hope that kind of... Yeah, no, that's good too. And I think you're, you're like totally out of rhythm too until yeah. you... You, you connect with that relationship with God because, yeah. okay, why believe in God? Well, the second question would be, okay, one, why are you here? Why do you even exist? And, and the Bible's pretty clear. Um, one, we're, we were created, one, to have relationship with God, and then two, we were created to worship God. Um, so to not believe in God and have that relationship in a way denies the very purpose which you were on the earth. You'll find yourself so unfulfilled and you might have passion about a few things but you'll never truly find purpose or fulfillment outside of that too so yeah there's there's a lot that goes with that your whole life is out of rhythm it is without him for sure it really is it's good stuff here's next one if i don't have any of the gifts in the bible does that mean i'm a bad christian and is it required to speak in tongues ever You're a horrible Christian, yeah. <laughs> and okay. <laughs> so the first the first question was, if you don't have any of the gifts mentioned, like I'm assuming that spiritual gifts or whatever, um, I say give it time. One <clears throat> doesn't mean that you're bad. We like to think in terms of good and bad and great and terrible. Um, it probably means you just haven't grown enough spiritually. So I wouldn't look at that as a, as a negative thing. I get excited about what's ahead of you, if anything. Um, those gifts will come, for sure, the closer you get to Jesus. I will say, if you've been a churchgoer for a while and, and believed in God for a while, and you're not seeing that happen in your life, that bring up a lot of question marks because that is a, an outgrowth of a, of a healthy relationship with Jesus for sure. What was the second question? It was about the Holy Spirit. And am I a bad Christian if I don't speak in tongues ever? Ooh, I smell Baptist. <laughs> it's a good question though. <laughs> no, it's, it's a great question and I'm having fun um, regardless of what your denominational background is, man. I tell you, there's, there's something with every one of them, I promise you. Um, I don't know. I, I'll talk for a second and then let you answer, Jeremy. I know. I don't think there's anything wrong with you. I think you should pursue that. But here's the deal, man. 
it, like Pentecostal background, which, which I'm from, man, that speaking in tongues gets pushed so hard that I think that they lose the whole purpose and meaning of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's a whole lot more to him than just that uh, the prayer language that comes with being filled with or baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, all of the gifts you know, that were mentioned, um, all of those come with that. And then the boldness and all of that is to equip us to reach people for Jesus, not sit in the corner and sound funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like who get, I'll be honest with you, man. I just, as a pastor, I just could give a rip if you run around, scream, speak in tongues, fall down, do all the hoop-de-hoop in here and get excited, and then you lead no one to Jesus. All that's a show. The fruit is leading people to Jesus. Uh, that's what the Holy Spirit's for. But no, I don't think that you're necessarily a bad Christian or something's necessarily wrong. Again, I think it's an issue of growth and maturity. Pray about it, study the scripture, and you'll get there one step at a time. Go ahead. Yeah, I like that. I just kind of want to echo um, in what you'll see a, a lot of times. And so I have kind of experience with youth ministry and and. Teenagers like to think very down the line, like, what's my next step? What's my next step? And I guess we all do, but I, I guess I, I see it a little bit more. And so I saw this a lot. And what I've noticed is people do get lost in seeking after the gifts or searching for this and, and that. And they do get lost in and where it's really birthed out of. And and all of this stuff is birthed out of a relationship with God. If you want yeah. to see more signs and wonders in your life, tighten down that relationship with God, Absolutely. and signs and wonders will follow. Yeah. If you want more empathy for people, tighten down that relationship with God. All of that is birthed out of a relationship with God and a closeness with God. And, and so when it comes to this kind of stuff, you know, Pastor Josh hit the nail on the head. No, not a bad Christian. I would definitely seek after it because there is a lot more boldness. I mean, it almost, it, it almost feels like, I mean, you're another person. Such look at, changer. look at Peter, oh my goodness. you know, Such a game yeah. In the, in the upper room, we always talk about Peter. He's the perfect example of how being filled with the Holy spirit, he was just a different person. But then you know, the Apostle Paul talks about how speaking in, in tongues and all this stuff is, is great, but if he doesn't have love, if he doesn't have all yeah. this stuff, then it's, it's worthless. And so, um, yeah, don't get caught so much in that. Uh, get, get in that relationship. You know, if you want to know more about spiritual gifts, read, read some stuff and study it. Ask God. I, so it, it's funny, I laugh because I grew up Baptist and I was <laughs> saved Baptist and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I got I saved in the Baptist church one time and I didn't even know that it happened. Oh my Lord. <laughs> I'm not I'm sorry. even kidding. Every, I'll tell you that story. We could just go ahead and stop great. live streaming probably. Uh, yeah. so, We're doing um, everything you're not supposed to yeah. do, by the way. Um, but I actually got filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, and, and so what that looked like is I ran into the Bible and I was like, hey, this is weird. I don't see where any of this really went away. Yeah. And so I, want, I started questioning why we're not operating in it. And so rather than going and asking people, uh, you know, I started reading the Bible and I started reading yeah. up on what being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible even talks about uh, speaking in tongues is a sign to the unbelievers yeah. of the Holy Spirit. And, and so you start getting into that and you start asking and, and God loves this. You know, I, I don't know if you know this, but God loves for you to learn about him yeah. and, and get to know him and ask these questions because here's the deal. We're scared to ask a lot of this stuff, but God likes to answer these questions for us. Yeah. He, he likes us to get this firm foundation because that's what this is. It's building a really good firm foundation, yeah. right? That, that can't be shaken. And so God loves that. And so that's what I encourage you to do is get in that. And, and so anyway, long story short, when I started doing that, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't have a special crazy service. I didn't have anything weird. I remember when Miss Brenda was filled with the Holy Spirit. We knew that night coming in. You know what I'm saying? And, and so that, right. that's what I encourage you to do. You just... You get to a place in your relationship with God where it, it, it all starts to flow out of that. Yeah, it flows so natural. I will say this. Um, 
poking fun at Baptist churches and, and other denominations. I will tell you, man, there's a lot of Assemblies of God churches or quote-unquote Pentecostal denominations um, that squelch and try to contain the, the move of the Holy Spirit, and you don't really hear him talked about a lot in those circles, and I'm telling you, that's the X factor in your walk with God, though. Um, not filled, don't feel bad, but I definitely check it out, research it for yourself, and and take those steps. Yeah. So. Awesome. That, good I job. Did a good job fixing that for the Baptist people. That I did good. All right. Good job. All right. I do want to say, as women of valor, folks, we're reading a current book about the gifts of the Spirit and where you fall into the body of Christ with that. So if you're interested, you can see me after service. I'll get you a copy. Um, but it's really operator. good. Did you see no, it's a really, ask any women of valor. It's a powerful book for those of us that have known Jesus Absolutely. our whole life or people who have just met Jesus. It's great to know what, who am I in the body of Christ. No doubt. So um, let me know. Get you a copy. Next question. My kids don't want to come to church with me. How do I get them to come? Because I want my family to be in church. That's a big one. I I'll jump on this, and then you can be nicer on the backside because I yeah. can't. All right, I will do. We'll look, good cop, bad cop. Yeah, I will do. So, all right, depending on how old your children are, all right, if if they're 18 and up, um, then that's that's a choice they're going to have to make on their own. So, live the lifestyle, keep loving, and invite them. You know, big question as a parent is, what am I am I doing anything that would disqualify myself from? getting my children to church. Yeah. You know, uh, shout and amen on Sunday and how you live the rest of the week are two completely different things. And your kids, they, they, they pay attention more to what you do than what you say. Um, so let that lay where it needs to. The second thing I would say is this. If they're under 18, all right, you're the parent. Yeah. Be the parent. Yes. Be the parent. I, I had this conversation sometimes, and this is going to sound a little stern, and I guess it's stern on purpose. Sometimes we need to hear things in a stern way. Be the parent. Yep. The yep. kids don't run the household. You run the household. The kids don't pay the bills. You pay the bills. The kids don't put food on the table. You put food on the table. They don't pay the rent or the mortgage. You do. You get to set the terms for how your family operates, not the children. Okay? Do they... Do, do you let the kids uh, eat junk food all the time and not healthy stuff? Probably not. Um, if your kid plays a sport, do you let them skip practice? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? They don't get choices in certain things because they're children. They're children. All right? So... And that's not to diminish their value. It just means that their worldview is not set. Their brains are not functioning properly. I can get a better amen from the parents on that one. Their yeah. brains are not functioning yeah. properly. You're the parent for a reason, so don't try to be the friend. Be the parent and get them there. Well, I don't want to go to student. Get their rear end to student ministry. Get them in e-kids. The kids yeah. don't set the terms for the household. You do as the parent. Okay? All right, that's, that's bad cop, I guess. Okay. I don't know if you said good cop. Good cop. Um, first of all, I do want to say that I, I agree with that 100%. Um, awesome. You know, I, as, a youth, as a youth pastor, I remember parents coming up and being like, my 15-year-old got mad and does not want to come to church anymore. And I'm like, well, I'm like, you're going to have a lot more problems down the road if you're letting your 15-year-old uh, yeah. run that household. And uh, so... I do agree with that. Um, I'm going to hit it from a different angle, so it doesn't necessarily take away from, from what Pastor Josh was saying. I'm going to use my own kids as an example, and, and uh, just as a pastor's kid, which I hate calling them that, and it's so, a, yeah, so just, just so you know. It's the worst ever to put somebody in. Right. We're pastors. We're pastors. They're children. They're children. Let them be kids. Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. So, but... In reality, there is a lot of things that they have to deal with that uh, can be fun. It could also be difficult and, and stuff like that. So what I do, first of all, 
I don't just tell them about church. I, I, I show them the importance. Yeah. I show them the importance of being there. Um, one of the things is if you volunteer and you serve and, and stuff like that, get your kids involved serving. Yeah. I promise you there's no better way to buy into something and start to fall in love with, with something than to get your hands in it and start working with it and seeing what God's doing through it. Um, so you'll, you'll see that. Um, and then another thing that I do, um, I'll use Fall Fest as an example. Uh, I, I was supposed to make balloon animals on Fall Fest. <laughs> How many of y'all know that yeah, I didn't even touch a balloon <laughs> on Fall Fest? So needless to say, uh, my kids don't get to go jump and stuff like that. So rather than letting them have a bad experience and a bad memory of Fall Fest for them and dreading, you know, the Halloween time and stuff like that, because that means we're going to go to the church and we're not going to get to have fun. What I did is I brought them up here and I let them jokers play on the bounce houses with no other kids and play all the games with no other kids and eat all the popcorn with no other kids and made them their own thing of cotton candy and and all that stuff. And so I made it a big deal. And so what that showed them immediately is, hey, you know, this is, okay, this is ministry. Sometimes ministry is going to be a sacrifice, but you know what? This was awesome. Yeah. And then, you know, it changes their mindset. And I think if you, if you try to get them involved, because uh, oftentimes, now sometimes you're just going to have a kid that doesn't want to go. Um, this morning, you saw the effects of a kid that didn't want to listen to me <laughs> during prayer. And I had to go and have a talk with my kid. And sometimes you just do. And that's when... Being the parent, you can't be scared to be the parent. But if if you've tried that and you're you're still seeing you know kind of like a pull away, try try getting them involved. And and I like what you said. Try asking yourself if there's anything you're doing to influence that. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter how much you say you love church. If it's if it sucks around your house on Sunday mornings getting ready to go to church, your kids know it. Yeah. yeah. I like what you said, too, which, by the way, a good tag team, dude. I love, I like what you said, too, though, because there's usually a reason why if they don't want to go. And, and usually those reasons why can become great teaching moments, um, like Pastor Jeremy said, for sure. If there's a reason, then you can teach out of that reason and give them a great life lesson. So, That's true. What you got next? I hope that helps. A good cop, bad cop was fun. I like it. How do we know the Bible hasn't changed over time? Like the telephone game. Oh, wow. So I'll take that. Um, One of the best ways to, to know that the Bible, first of all, is to have some sort of method to understand or to research the original language and the original context. Because the truth is, is there are scriptures that do hit a little bit different in the context of American language. And so That's a good point. I, I encourage you to, to start digging deeper. But if you're like in your beginning stages of growth and you're just looking for Bibles and, and stuff like that, then here's the deal. Listen to God, right? God, God was able to, to, um, oh my Lord, the word just went flying out my head. God was able to tell you, Hey, I'm here. He was able to, to show you his love. He was able to, at at some point show you that, Hey, I've got you to the point to where you're like, Hey, I'll leave this life behind and and you know i'll i'll leave my sin and i'll leave this and i'll trust that what you did was enough and and so we kind of walk into that he's also very good at telling us when something is icky you know what i mean have you ever felt that like just something's icky and i will be honest with you most of the time i can tell when something's icky and when something's jeremy doesn't agree with the bible right now you know well that's a big difference (laughs) you know um so but i like what you said yeah that um so the original manuscripts are the original manuscripts 
so the original he, uh, Greek, uh, Hebrew, Aramaic, and all that um, hasn't changed. Um, so the different translations, um, even going back to when Tyndale originally translated those manuscripts into something that could be read by the common people, <clears throat> they're dynamic interpretations of the original language so that you and I can understand them today in a language that we speak, even the King James. Last time I checked, anybody here speak fluent King James? Yes? Okay, two people. All right. And, and that's good for you. Um, I kind of want to hang out with you now and see what you see you go through a grocery store. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, culture changes, languages change, words mean different things. There's words I used when I grew up that mean completely different things today. Um, so, so it all changes, but the original is the same. So translations that we have are true in spirit to the original script. But the telephone game was, was, was a question. I don't think the true intent or heart of that has been lost in what we have. So, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, all right. Just, I'm, I'm trying to decide if I really want to go deep with this or not, and I'm looking at the clock, and my answer is no. So if you want to go deeper on that question, hit me up, and we'll get together and talk because we've got about 15 more minutes, and we've got to wrap this up. It's crazy how fast time has flown, huh? Yeah. yeah. Okay, if God is a loving God, why do bad things happen? And why does he let bad things happen? That's a good one. Yeah. Coming at you with the hard ones today. I love that. So how many of you would agree God is a loving God? Yeah. How many of you would agree that bad things happen in life? Yeah. Absolutely. Two distinct facts. Um, they don't have to contradict one another. For sure. Um, I like that passage of scripture where Jesus um, said to the disciples, hey, in this world, you are going to have trouble. Trouble is going to happen. Um, so Jesus owned it. He says, listen, the world that you live in is fallen into sin. Um, and because sin is present, people are going to do bad things and evil things, contrary to the word of God. Now, the question then becomes one of free will, at least in my mind. If God were to override everyone's free will and turn us into puppets so that we could not choose our own actions, then we got, we got a problem. Um, what did Jesus die for? You know, how do we choose to accept Jesus if we have no free will to choose? So free will becomes an issue here. God is never going to override our free will to choose. Listen to this. Even in heaven, um, when Satan was there, a legitimate angel at the time, he still had in heaven the free will to choose to do what he did. Yeah. So even the angels have that element of free will to choose. So um, so like the, the drunk driver crashing into someone, well, that person chose to do that. Um, unfortunately, there was a consequence for their choice. That doesn't mean that God doesn't love that means there was a consequence to that person's free will to choose what to do. Um, you know, it's the old, we try to figure things out sometimes, and, and sometimes I get myself in trouble because I try to go down that road too. There's this old story where um, this guy goes out, his farmer goes out in, into uh, part of his field and sees a bunch of wild horses running around, and uh, brings in the wild horses, and his son begins to tame him. And the, tame him, the neighbor comes over and goes, Wow, what an awesome blessing. You've got all these horses now that you didn't even have to pay for. You can sell them and make a profit. You can work on your farm with them. This is amazing. Um, the next day, his son was working with those wild horses, got bucked off of a horse, fell down and broke his leg. And the neighbor came over and said, Oh, this is horrible. This is horrible. God's judgment is on you because your son broke his leg. These horses are a curse. Same guy saying something completely different because the outcome was very different. And the owner of the horses, I don't, I don't know how to define any of that. Couple of couple of days later, um, warlords came into the region, taking the oldest son from every household to draft them into their little their little band 
they got to the man's son, and because he had a broken leg, they couldn't do anything with him, so they went on down to the next house. The neighbor came over and said, Oh, what a blessing. If your son hadn't broke his leg, then he would have been captured and, and gone with the warlords, you know. So th the point of it is, it's easy to sit back sometimes and assign good or bad to scenarios or situations when the truth is none of us really are at a place where we can correctly discern or judge that because we don't sit at the level that God does. And what we call bad in one season may be a blessing in, and in the next. We are often confined by this thing called life that we're in today, and we lose sight of eternity. Mm -hmm. Eternity is a whole lot longer than this life, and while we might see something tragic that happens in this life, weighed against eternity, which is forever, as tragic as it may be now, it becomes a drop in the bucket compared to what's ahead of us in eternity. You know the old saying, the person on the mountain can always see clearer than the person that's in the valley. And we operate in the valley in life for sure. But never doubt uh, God's love. And never doubt the fact that things happen in the world that we wish couldn't happen in the world. They're two distinct things for sure, though. And, and it all hubs around free will to choose. God will never override that. Can't really blame God for the consequences of someone else's actions or choice. So... Right, that went a little long, but I don't know how you. I don't know how you Good answer stuff. that. I hope that helps. Again, if you have more questions, hit me up. Good stuff. Okay, just a warning. This is a little heavier of a question, so if you need to step out, please do Compared so. Compared to the, the, the last one, <laughs> I think Holy I know which question this yeah. is. Um, it says suicide is a sin, and we commit suicide. We die in sin and go to hell. Did Jesus commit suicide by willingly go to die? Why is it different from if we do it? Okay. Yeah, there's that. Um, I'll jump in if I leave something out. Yeah, you no, know. you're good. Okay. Yeah, I've got something for it, too. Okay, good. All right. So let's start first with, golly, I want to start at the end and work my way backwards on this one. Let's start with Jesus dying on the cross. There's a big difference between um, sacrificially laying down your life to benefit others and selfishly taking your life in a moment. Two very different things. So, um, yeah, the assumption that Jesus committed suicide, that's, I've heard that before. That is not what happened. Um, that's not what happened. He actually said that he willfully chose to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, so choosing to lay down your life for others is different than taking your own life. Um, Roman soldiers drove those spikes through his his wrists and his feet he did not do that he willfully chose to let it happen as a sacrifice um i would agree at some level to say that suicide is a sin um, where the water gets murky because um, essentially you're killing yourself where the water gets murky then um becomes the what was there something in there about the person they commit suicide, they die, and they... What, yes, they, go they die. If we commit suicide, we're dying in sin because okay. suicide is a sin, and they go to hell. Okay. So why is it different from what so Jesus did? So I'll speak to you real quick, um, and I'll try to be concise because I know we have more mm -hmm. to answer. So to assume, then, that because someone takes their own life that they go to hell because of that, I think is a wrong assumption. Uh, and I'll explain why uh, so let's say different scenario. Sin is sin, correct? Yeah. All right. So let's say you have a disagreement um, with me over this, what I just said. After service, you come up to me, Pastor Josh, that was wrong. Um, and I say, well, I appreciate your opinion. Um, I have a different opinion on that, a different interpretation of Scripture. Then you, you get mad face, lose your temper, haul off, hit me in the face, cuss me out, Go out the door, get in your car, start going down the road. Now, how many of y'all would agree at that point that you've committed a sin? Yeah. All right. You get hit by a car before you've had a chance to repent of that sin. Do you then die and go to hell because you just sinned? Or does the grace of God, assuming that you are a true believer in the Lord, cover you in a moment like that? Mm. I wonder how many people in 
conflicts and wars and just freak accidents have breathed their last breath without resolving some issue of sin in their life that day or so I'm kind of I'm trying to create a broader view of this um, there are things see like blanket statements on very isolated incidents I think it's a bad practice to be in um, you don't know one the person's mental capacity at the time um, there's a lot that could be going on there um, that could affect that I think um, you don't know what a person says or does in the last moments of their life if they OD'd with pills or and if I'm bringing back bad memories forgive me if they if they choose to take their life in a certain fashion maybe they repent before they breathe their last breath um, I don't think there's anything to my knowledge in the Bible that says that suicide stands out as a special sin above any other sin that could not be forgiven that grace could not cover now I'm not saying that in that moment that it wouldn't but I'm, it could too, you know. So I don't. I think it's an incorrect assumption. Um, at the end of the day, you don't know in totality someone's heart. And uh, boy, I tell you, if I had something happen to me early on in the day, I, I, I really hope that God's grace would cover. Yeah. Knowing that a mistake in the moment is not necessarily a representative of my heart towards Him. And thank God for his grace in moments like that, for sure. Um, but, yeah, all right. Um, I just want to quickly add everything. Yeah, that was great. Um, I would encourage, it, like, if you have kind of this broad, broad mindset on isolated events like that, listen, this is the kind of stuff that, that I would start really asking God about and start start trying to dig into because it's not wrong to to question any of this stuff but what it what it does is it will make you hungry and it will make you look into stuff deeper um, but like you were saying if something happened to me after the life I've lived my hope is that God's grace would cover if I didn't have a chance, right? Yeah. And so you kind of, then you go and look in the character, at the character of God. And I think somewhere we get this idea of God is a, a mean guy with a magnifying glass and we're an anthill and he's not, you know? And, and so, yeah, Amen. I, 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 I love what you said. Ooh, I probably imagine. didn't even need to talk. That was a really, really, really good question. I thought it too. You know, I love these questions. No, that's good. Go ahead. All right. What you got? We'll do quick kits so we can get as many as okay. possible. We've got about seven more minutes-ish. How can I determine if it is God talking to me or if it's my own thoughts? Can I take this one? Go for it. Um, talk to him more and listen more. I mean, it, it, that sounds very kind of smart alecky, but the Bible actually says that that my sheep know my voice, right? And, and so, oh, that's so the, good. the closer that's so good. you go, I, like, make no mistake, if my daughter screams right now, I'm going to know it's her. Okay? Y'all aren't going to know who it is, but the more time you spend with my daughter, the more time you're going to recognize that scream. Same principle. The more time you spend with God... Asking and listening. See, a lot of the times we ask, but then, you know, have you ever sat down to read the Bible and then you ask God something, then you get up and you go and you go on about your day and you never give God yeah, a chance to answer and, and yeah. stuff like that. Give God a chance to answer undistracted so you can really hone in on that voice. And then, you know, sometimes world is crazy and you can't just hone in on, on stuff. Look at his word. God's voice is never going to go against his word, um, and it's not going to go against his character. Well, I tell you too, man, I, I don't know how it works with you. When, like, God is legitimately speaking to me, there's such a yeah, thundering in my spirit. Is. You know, it's like it's undeniable. Yeah. It's never, like, that's when you hear us talk about, it's never quite an audible voice, but it is a, like, when I tell somebody that God has spoken to me, I, I assure you that I mean that I feel like we are having a conversation. <laughs> so, um, 
yeah, just get to know his voice, spend more time with him, and uh, cut out distractions. Cut out distractions. Yeah. That's good. Here's another good one. We'll end probably on this. How do you find peace in following what God has told you to do, but when it goes against the standards that current culture states you should do? So when it goes against the world, but God's telling you to do it, how do you find peace in that? Wow. That's a good one. That is a good one. It's going to sound so churchy. It is. Um, so, so peace, I'll start with this, um, is not the sum total of your circumstances. Peace is a byproduct of your relationship with God, right? So it's going to flow out of your relationship with God. Peace. Um, I, I, I understand what you're, what you're asking because there's pressure. There's probably going to be there's going to somebody's going to make a comment, um, there, but but the pressure I think is is more dangerous than the words that people say sometimes. Um, I you just got to resolve at the in in your heart at the end of it all, you're going to stand before God, not culture. Yeah. You're going to be held accountable to His word, not someone's opinion. Now, I know that's so easy to say sitting up here, but I'm telling you, I've walked it out over years of ministry, and especially being a, a senior pastor, not everyone is going to agree with you all of the time. And it goes further than just preferences or personality differences. Sometimes on legitimate truths of the Word of God, people are going to disagree with you and call you certain things when you're right on the Word. You've got to be at peace with knowing that you're right on the Word and when you stand in front of God, that's all that's going to matter. It's all that's going to matter. Again, I think we look at the confines of the life that we have as the end-all, be-all. It's certainly not. It's certainly not. Um, 20 billion years from now, eternity will just be starting. All of the stuff that we're worried about in this life will be the most distant of memories, you know. And, and what people think or what culture does. Culture changes all the time, by the way. Culture changes faster than fashion, I think. Um, so, yeah, it, it's crazy. Um, but the world is always going to be the world. So you've got to decide to stand on the truth of the Word of God. And it's got to be real right here, because if it's not real here, then, yeah, you're going to get beat up, and you're going to feel pressure, and you're not going to have peace. But that's got to be resolved, for sure. So let's sneak in a couple more. Man, I feel like we should get more. Awesome. How can you prove the Bible by using the Bible? That doesn't make sense. I agree. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, the Bible's, the Bible's for us. Um, yeah. You know, the Bible's for the believer. The believer's lifestyle is going to be the greatest tool. Uh, the, the, you know, there's a reason why... Um, Jesus said, you know, to Peter, I'll build my church on you and, and sent them into the upper room and then sent them out, which birthed the modern church yeah. and not the Bible um, and not just his word because of this very reason. That is, that is for the believers, and he is sending his believers as a testament to his word. Yep. I think, wow, just maybe the Bible being proven correctly with prophecies yeah. that, are, that are being fulfilled like literally before our eyes right now might be one thing. I would say this, to prove the legitimately, legitimacy of Scripture, um, look at a couple of things. One, um, look at creation science. Yeah. I think, boy, that's a fun world to dive into. Look at creation science. Creation science actually validates the Bible um, outside of the Bible, validating what's written in the Bible. Um, I would also study the resurrection. Um, while it's an event that happens in Scripture, there's plenty of historical documentation um, to prove that, listen, this isn't just something that we believe in. It is a documented fact, irrefutable in history with the biggest question mark ever on top of it because the world cannot explain how this dude was dead and then was alive three days later. So look at those two things. Those two things outside of the Bible, um, I think, more than proves the validity of Scripture. Yeah. yeah. 
for sure. Golly, I want to keep going. Let's do one more, and then one more. Okay. Are y'all good with one more? Y'all ready? One more. Okay. Someone told me that if someone else asks for help, we are required by the Bible to help them. Is that true? And every time they ask, I also want to add: at what point does that enable somebody? Man. I think we've covered, like, we've given ourselves enough material to have a series that lasts between now and Easter. Absolutely. Yeah. Dude, all these. Yeah. So many more good questions man. in here, so, too. So the short answer would be no. Um, so we're called to serve one another, to um, approach each other with love, to prefer one another before ourselves, for sure. But have y'all ever encountered a user in life? You know what I mean? Boy, they know how to quote that scripture, don't they? Man. Yeah, uh, no, there's a line there for sure. So you help. I would even say when you feel like you've helped somebody enough, it's not a bad thing to land on the other side of grace, but there's a difference between helping someone and enabling them, the difference between helping someone and being used by them. Um, and, and I will tell you this, usually someone's, you, the question was how do you know the line? For me, I'll tell you a, a quick one. Watch their behavior when you say no. Yeah. Um, if they're grateful for what you've done, that lets you know the heart is good and you might want to continue. But when you say, hey, I don't know if I can, and they turn on you and they start to manipulate and they make things your fault and try to make you feel guilty, boy, wash your hands, turn around and walk away and sow some seed on some good ground, okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, jeepers creepers, man! I want to do this again next Sunday. I got people going. One more. Yeah, right, we'll Tony said to no. the number one question needs to be asked. I'm just saying. I'm the looking number at one question. Uh, this is supposed to be a philosophical talking about uh, Jesus moment. We have. How have long will Pastor Josh become a Georgia's fan and dump Auburn? How long until Pastor Josh becomes yeah, a Georgia fan? We wasted that question. Go ahead, Auburn. do another one. Never, never, <laughs> never. We'll say that. Yeah. All right. So that was easy. One more. One more. I've got a good one. This, I'm like a kid. This is a serious day. one. It kind of goes along to a question you've asked before, but a little bit deeper. If oh. we truly have free will, but God knows everything that we will choose then how do we truly have free will? Knowing and, and, and going and impacting. So in other words, just because you know something, I mean, I, <laughs> I sound like a bad parent. Have you ever ha let your kids learn something that you know is going to hurt them? Did you let them have free will? That's the best way I can explain yeah. that. The other day, I told Lila to stop doing something, and she didn't. And next thing I know, <laughs> and I'm like, Rachel went in there. I'm like, no, nope, no, nope, go in there. Let, Only do it let, one time. Let her cry. She'll learn from it because I told her about 15,000 <laughs> times not to do it. And so eventually, it's like I know that it's going to happen. I knew the process. I even tried to intervene. But at some point, she still had free will and... uh when you play dumb games, you win dumb prizes. No doubt. I will say this, too, on the tail end of it, and I guess we'll start to wrap things up uh, now. So uh, another thing to go along with that is, is and this will flow great into this part of the service, is we, again, are limited by we, what we see in time. Sometimes we forget one of the attributes of God is that he stands outside of time. Okay. He created time. We're in the confines of time. But he, if he is the God who was, who is, and is to come, that's not sequential. That's at once. Okay. So it's at once. He is all of those things. Um, Jesus was speaking to one of, I think, a group of people, and, and he said literally, before Abraham was... I am. That's a deep statement. So when you look at, again, our will to choose versus God's knowledge of what we're going to do, he sees it all laid out in front of him yesterday, today, 
and tomorrow. So he knows, but he never overrides our will to choose, ever. Especially in moments like this, we get to choose whether or not we have a real relationship with Jesus. And it's my heart that we all leave here today with that. But this is what I know. With a group like this, or maybe someone watching online right now, odds are there's somebody here, someone watching that has not resolved that. And there's a big difference between coming to church and having a relationship with Jesus. There's a big difference between believing in God and then repenting of sin and accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. There's a big difference between even believing in Jesus and Him actually being Lord of your life. We love the Savior part sometimes. We forget about the Lord part. Can't have one necessarily without the other. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment while we're here. Heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. I just want to ask you the question of all questions today. Do you have a real relationship with Jesus? Have you truly repented of sin in your life and accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord? Do you have a real relationship or do you have a religious structure in your life? It's a big difference. And the beautiful part of this question, while we answered so many in detail today, the answer to this one is quick and concise and you know it right now. He either is or he isn't on the throne of your heart. The relationship either is or isn't real. And we know the answer. So I want to pray with you before we move on in service and just take a moment and make sure that we're all on the same page spiritually because one day we are going to stand in front of God. The books are going to be opened and we are going to be judged. I don't know about you, but on that day, when I stand before him, I want to know that my name is written in that Lamb's book of life. I want to know that I have the forgiveness that comes through the gift that Jesus gave us. But we've got to choose. We've got to accept. He's done everything and set the table before us. We have to choose to partake of it. With heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Are you here today and you need to make Jesus Lord and Savior of your life? If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to lift your eyes up and I want you to look at me. And I want to pray with you this morning. Here we go. You already know the truth. All right, so let's fix it now. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your eyes and look at me. If that's you this morning, I see yours. I see yours and yours. I see yours. Once you lift them up, you can put them back down. I see yours. Praise God. It's not real, but I want it to be real. If you haven't lifted your eyes yet, and you know you need to, lift them up and look at me now. All right, let's all stand this morning if we can. We had a good handful of people that responded. I want to lead you in a prayer quickly. And I want you to repeat this prayer after me. The Bible says that you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. You believe that he's Lord. Confess with your mouth. That's the process. I believe you've already responded and something's happening in your heart. We're going to confess this together, though, and just finish the deal. We're all going to pray this prayer together. Because we've got a saying here at this church, at Eastgate, no one walks alone. All right, we got your back. You're not doing this by yourself. All right, we're in your corner, and we're going to do this with you. So everyone, pray this after me, and if you responded and lifted up your eyes, let's pray this and mean it from your heart today. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I come before you right now. You know the truth about me. And thank you that you love me anyway. Thank you for sending your Son 
to die for me. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I repent for the sin in my life. That means I turn away from it. I want you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for saving me. You're my Savior and you're my Lord. One day at a time and one step at a time. I'll draw closer to you and let you change me from the inside out. Thank you for my salvation. Let's give God praise in the house this morning.